the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sin unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And you forgave me of my sin. O Almighty God, merciful Father. Upon this your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
Lord is with those who uphold my life. He will repay my enemies for their evil. Cut them off in your truth. Let your merciful ears, O Lord, be open to the prayers of your humble servants, and that they may obtain their petitions. Make them to ask such things as shall please you through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the ninth Sunday after Trinity is from 2 Samuel chapter 22. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With a blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. 
and with the devious you will show yourself shrewd. You will save the humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty, that you may bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? He is my strength and power, and he makes my way perfect. And he makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me on my high places. This is the word of the Lord. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. transgressions and my sin is ever before me.
up the walls of Jerusalem. The epistle reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in 23 days, and in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition. Upon the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you, except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. This is the word of the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. The Holy Gospel according to Saint Luke, the sixteenth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig, I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? So he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. 
So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when it fails, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is also faithful in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. The steward said within himself, What shall I do? My master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? So he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. So the master commended the unjust steward, because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Parables are strange, aren't they? The unjust steward is clearly a deceiver. He's a thief. He's crooked. He's devious. He is shrewd. He is all of these things because he knows that since he is going to be put out of his master's stewardship, as long as he still has authority, he can reduce the debt of his master's debtors, which will make them very, very happy indeed, so that when he finally is put out of the stewardship, <coughs> those whose debts he has reduced will receive him into their own homes and he'll be provided for, shrewd, clever. One could use this particular parable as an illustration of what is talked about in the explanations to the ninth and 10th commandments concerning covetousness, to obtain something by a show of right or in a way which only appears right. The unjust steward, this shrewd steward knew that his master would be obligated to provide and honor those debts that he had reduced. That's why at the end of the parable, it says the master commended the unjust steward because he dealt shrewdly. And then he adds this, which is Jesus' commentary. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. Why does Jesus tell this parable? And what do these concluding words to the parable really mean? The sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light? We've spoken of this before, and it bears repeating again. One of the great ironies is that unbelievers are sometimes quicker to understand the benefits of showing mercy 
than believers are. It should be the opposite, but it is often not the case. Now, to be sure, this unjust steward did what he did in altering the accounts of his master's debtors to serve himself. That's not what Jesus is commending in the parable. But he is commending the understanding of shrewdness, of cleverness. In a kind of reckless abandon with which one uses earthly mammon for service in the kingdom of God. The sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. It is this understanding that Jesus commends. We Christians sometimes hold on to earthly mammon as if it is the source of our happiness and contentment. It cannot be. In fact, it will only lead to unhappiness and discontent. And that if we don't hold on to these things, why, we will perish. What is this but rank idolatry? And the refusal to believe that God has created and redeemed and sanctified us and he who has done these things will indeed take care of us. We have nothing to fear. This is true in our lives as individual Christians, and it is also true in the life of the church. The bottom line for this parable is all of our earthly treasures and goods are really belong to the Lord. And we are called by the Lord Jesus to make reckless and bold, generous use of them all in service to the gospel so that others might come to know Christ and receive us together with them in the heavenly realm when all earthly things fail us. We also have Jesus' words and promise that when our earthly mammon fails us, Christians who receive the gospel will provide for each other and he will give the ability to do the same in his church. The use of our earthly goods confesses what is important to us. But I'd like to focus on this concept of shrewdness for a moment. What does shrewdness mean? It means cleverness. It means a certain ability to deceive and to trick people. Now I'll say something else that you might find difficult to understand. Just like it's difficult to understand, why does Jesus commend this crook? And what I say that is difficult to understand is all such characteristics, the characteristics of shrewdness, of cleverness, of even deceit, are not simply attributes that describe an unjust steward or a crook. They're also attributes that describe God. How can that be? Listen carefully. No one is more clever than God is. 
No one knows how to turn the tables on his enemies and those who are proud and arrogant and haughty in self-righteousness and pride like God can. To put it another way, you can't outfox the Lord. And when the self-righteous and the proud and the arrogant try to do so and try to get away with things, God uses the circumstances of life combined with his word to bring down the haughty. Consider the Old Testament reading for today from 2 Samuel chapter 22. These are part of the last words of David. And he says, with the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. You will save the humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty, that you may bring them down. David's words, some of his last words in 2 Samuel, before the end of his life, are in a certain sense autobiographical. Do you remember when he confronted Goliath? He did so in the humility of contrition and repentance with faith solely in the Lord. Goliath came to him in boastful pride You come after me like I'm a little dog, and you're going to defeat me? And David, as a young man, gives all glory and honor to the Lord. I will not defeat you, the Lord will. And you know what happened to Goliath. As a stone embedded itself in his forehead, he fell over, and David lopped off his head with Goliath's own sword. In that occasion, David was a man after God's own heart. In humble faith, in contrition and repentance, he trusted in the Lord and not himself. But there were other occasions. Like after his ministry was well established as king, and he committed adultery with Bathsheba, David was quite shrewd quite clever, quite devious, as he spins a scheme to try to cover up what he has done, as if he could hide these things from the Lord. He could do no such thing, but he was shrewd. His shrewdness was entirely for his own benefit. But the Lord outfoxed him He didn't send Nathan to him to confront him face to face. What is this you have done? But instead, he sends the prophet Nathan with a story about a rich man who had many flocks and herds and a poor man who had only one little ewe lamb. And the rich man took the ewe lamb and slaughtered it and prepared it for his wayfaring stranger. Upon hearing this, parable told by the prophet Nathan, sent by the Lord to be a pastor to David. David's anger seethed against this man. The man who has done this shall surely die, and he shall restore fourfold for what he has done. And then Nathan says very simply, you 
are the man. I have done all this for you. I have established you by a gift of my grace. And if that had been too little, I would have done much more. You see, the Lord outfoxed David. You can't pull the wool over the Lord's eyes. He brings down the haughty that he might call the haughty to contrition and repentance. You know, the difference between the shrewd steward in the parable and the shrewdness of the Lord is that the shrewd man in the parable did what he did for his own benefit. But the Lord deals with us, even when it seems to be harsh, difficult to hear, never for the Lord's benefit, but always for ours, for our life, and for our salvation. And David came to know that, didn't he? That with the merciful... God showed himself merciful. With the blameless man, God showed himself blameless. With the pure, God showed himself pure. And with the devious, God showed himself true to save the humble people. His eyes are on the haughty to bring them down. The mercy and the purity that had been evidenced in David's life is a purity and mercy inspired by the gift of God's grace alone given to David. The haughtiness, the pride, the self-righteousness, that he could take care of and take credit for himself. The same is true for us. The Lord is shrewd in his dealings with us that through the experiences of our lives, coupled with his word, we might be called down from the high and haughty lives of self-righteousness and pride to contrition and repentance. There's one final peculiarity about the parable of the shrewd steward. An accusation was brought against him that he was wasting his master's goods. It's interesting to note that this parable takes place right after the Pharisees and the scribes objected that this man, Jesus, receives sinners and eats with them. And so he told them the parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. And then finally, this parable of the unjust steward. Were there not accusations brought against Jesus? That he, was mass, that he was wasting his master's goods, forgiving sin and iniquity? Was he not put out of the stewardship, as it were, as he was crucified outside the gates of Jerusalem? But that is the greatest cleverness, the greatest deception, the greatest shrewdness of all that by his own death, he atoned for your sin and mine. Not simply reducing our debt, as the unjust steward did in the parable, but completely and utterly eradicating it. That we might receive him 
who has gone into the kingdom of his Father. When all of the earthly goods fail, and that we might use every earthly good at our disposal in reckless abandon to confess him who gave his very life and salvation for us without counting the cost in the slightest. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. God of justice, grant that with the most merciful Lord Jesus we show ourselves to be merciful. Grant that the integrity and uprightness of Jesus preserves us, that each man would seek not his own advantage, but seek the good of others given by Christ crucified. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, deliver us from false trust in wealth, success, and the bounty that you provide to us. Fix our hearts fully on you and your eternal goodness. Do not let your people misuse your good gifts or be captivated by worldly wealth, but use them accordingly and for the good of all. Lord, in your mercy, hear our Almighty God, grant that our president, Congress, governor, legislature, judges, and all entrusted with authority, and those serving in our military, grant them wisdom and discernment, especially Jessica Franklin, John Franklin, Yvonne Ingram, Robert Haga, Morgan Thoney, David Uttenreiter. Give them endurance and courage to serve well, act with integrity, and heed the voice of your word in the fulfillment of their duties. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O God, give us times of refreshment and peace in the course of this busy life. Grant this to all of our families and faculty at Peace Lutheran Academy, and grant it to those celebrating wedding anniversaries this week. 
Reverend Bob and Louise Johnson, Ken and Laura Knorr, Joe and Elizabeth Schneider, Alex and Jennifer Scheller. Grant that we may all so use leisure and balance to rebuild our bodies and renew our minds, that we may be open to the goodness of your creation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, Lord, in your mercy, Restore us, O Lord, with your word and life. We give you thanks for the healing brought to Tanya Knobloch and Cheryl Wallace and the remission from cancer. Comfort the family and friends of Janine Gable and Walt Disson, and thank, we give thanks that they have been brought to their everlasting home. Bless the sick and suffering, especially Cindy Runau, Pira Sigmund, Reverend Austin Meyer, Gabby Hartwig, David Berger, Andy Helwig, Drew Franklin, Connor and Travis, Reverend Dr. John Willie, Kathleen Hetzel, Dennis Michalis, Peyton Locklear, Kathy Miller, and Beth, niece of Donna Lovis. Give them the life supplied by your holy word and strength to endure their trials until you remove them. Lord, in your mercy. Give true repentance and faith to those who commune this day, that they may eat Christ's body and blood for the forgiveness of their sins and in the unity of a true confession. Almighty God, you entrust to your people the abundant wealth of Christ's salvation in your word and sacraments, especially for those having been baptized this week. Anne Steinhild, Larry Martin, Bryce D'Amato, Jacob Bender, Jennifer Johnson, Jessica Franklin, and Caleb Lugrow. Bless all pastors, that they may be faithful stewards of these mysteries, and grant that your people would make proper use of your means of grace and rejoice in your salvation. Lord, in your mercy, we give thanks to you, O Lord, for you have forgiven our debt of sin for the sake of Jesus. Preserve us in his grace and life until that day when you gather us with your saints in glory around your throne. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is truly meet right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. 
Therefore with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Bless we the Lord. <laughs> the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.
Welcome to the divine service. Several announcements this morning. I'll let Pastor Christensen begin. We give thanksgiving this morning that um, our search for a third grade teacher has been uh, answered and our prayer has been answered for a part-time teacher. Her name is Jennifer Dusler. Uh, she has moved to us uh, from Tennessee, from Grace Lutheran Church, and she has already started joining the faculty in our uh, beginning of year preparations. Please continue to keep our brand new faculty and staff in your prayers. Uh, we are working very hard and still figuring out a lot of things. We very much covet your prayers. In the bulletin today, you'll find a blue schedule of Wednesday night services starting September 6th through the end of the festival half of the church year, uh, the Pentecost Divine Service on May 29th. Uh, for one more year, we are going to be doing the Didache Divine Service on Wednesdays. And so the particular lessons, 1 through 24, are listed there. I want to encourage you now to begin September 13th with the first lesson on the Ten Commandments. It's going to focus this year predominantly on readings from the Gospel of St. Mark. So we do the Didache, we walk through the Catechism, but we will do so especially focusing on St. Mark. I would like to encourage you, if you have any family members, friends, neighbors, co-workers, who might even be remotely interested or with whom you would like to share the gospel of Christ, invite them to come. Say, I'll come with you. And uh, the Didache Divine Service listed next to the ones that have lessons on them uh, is a very different kind of interactive preaching that takes place and uh, it has been well received. We still have the Lord's Supper on those nights utilizing a spoken liturgy. In addition to that, the schedule lists all of the services, including the special services, St. Michael and All Angels, All Saints Day, Thanksgiving Eve, uh, the Feast of St. John, Apostle and Evangelist, Ash Wednesday, Ascension Eve, and then, of course, Pentecost. So... That's there for you. There'll be extra copies in the narthex as well. Uh, it wasn't in the bulletin. We'll put it in for next week. Coffee Break Bible Study will resume on Thursday, August 24th. Uh, so Thursday, August 24th at 9.30. So you can look forward to that. We'll be focusing on the Gospel of Mark as well. And then finally... Uh, during Bible class today, people asked about the convention. Uh, for the last uh, week, I've not been on vacation. I've been, uh, I need a vacation from the last week. Uh, I've been a, both a delegate and a member of the floor committee for Life Together uh, for the Synod and Convention. And then I had two uh, speaking gigs at the uh, convention on the catechism. So I will talk about that in Bible class today, uh, highlighting the convention. We also have the editor of the Lutheran Witness with us, Reverend Roy Askins, sitting there in the back, that bearded, handsome-looking fellow there. So he may have his own perspective uh, that if he's able to hang around for Bible class, uh, we could pick his brain as well. Thank you, and have a good week. Mm -hmm.